Hey, welcome to Preacher to Preacher, a podcast for those who want to get noticeably better in their preaching and teaching ministry. I'm Rick Reed, president of Heritage College and Seminary. And on today's podcast, I want to talk to you about dealing with ambition. One of my favorite preacher jokes would be a whole lot funnier if it weren't so convicting. Story is told of a pastor. He's driving home after Sunday church and his wife's in the front seat with him. And he says to her, he says, hey, hon, you know what uh, Miss Peterson said to me on the way out of church today? She said, no. What did she say? He says, she told me I was one of the great expositors of our day. And his wife just sits there, eyes straight ahead. She doesn't say anything, but he's not ready to let it go. So after a little while, he kind of muses out loud. He says, you know, I, I wonder how many great expositors there are in our day. And then his wife says, I don't know, but there's one less than you think. Now, most of us are not going to be labeled one of the great expositors of our time, of our day. But that doesn't mean we wouldn't like to be nominated, right? I mean, we may not be a legend in our own time, but we can be a legend in our own mind. And all of that raises the fact that we have some ambitions, secret ambitions. Today, I want to talk to you just a moment about ambition. It's a tricky subject for us as preachers, for us as Christians. Ambition is one of those things we have a love-hate relationship with. On one hand, we know that ambition is necessary to get things done. It's godly. Paul talks about having an ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named, Romans 15, 20. In other words, ambition drove him to get the gospel to those who'd never heard. But Paul also talks about fleshly ambition. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit. So we know that ambition can be godly and it can be fleshly, and sometimes it's hard to know which uh, kind we got going in our own souls. Have you ever heard the name Salmon P. Chase? If you've ever uh, read uh, Doris Goodwin's great book called Team of Rivals, you've read of Salmon P. Chase. He ran against Lincoln for the Republican nomination in 1860, and he lost. Lincoln became president. But Lincoln tapped him to be on his cabinet because he thought Chase was the best man for a certain job. Unfortunately, Chase still continued to think he was the best man for Lincoln's job, and he tried to undercut Lincoln even when he was on his cabinet. Now, you may hear that and go, well, that happens in politics all the time. But here's the sobering part. Chase was one of the good guys. He was one of us. Chase was a church-going, Bible-believing, morally upright man. He read the Bible and prayed every day, attended church every week. Like, he was a good guy. But get this, he had ambition that was selfish and fleshly, and he was clueless about it. In his letters and journals, he always casts himself in the best possible light. But other people around him could smell the foul odor of ambition, selfish ambition in Chase. They could tell. He couldn't tell. And Chase's life serves as a cautionary tale for us. In other words, it's possible to be one of the good guys. We're reading our Bibles. In fact, we're preaching the Bible. But we could have the foul odor of selfish ambition and not even be aware of it. So how do you assess your own ambition? How do you know whether the ambition that's driving you as a preacher is godly or fleshly? Well, I think there's a passage where Paul talks about how he dealt with ambition. And I want to read it for you and just make four quick points from it. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 
verses 1 to 5. Paul writes about how he sees himself and how he approaches and evaluates his ministry. Listen to what he writes. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But it is with me a small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but by that I am not acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Hey, let me highlight quickly four things that come out of this passage that I think can help us make sure our ambition is more godly than fleshly. Here's four things. Here's the first one. comes out of verse one. We need, like Paul, we need to see ourselves as servants and stewards, not celebrities. Right? We need to say, you know how I'm going to do ministry? As a servant and a steward. I'm not going to try to be a mini celebrity. Paul says that in verse 1. This is how someone should regard us as servants of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. When we keep in mind that we are servants, we serve Jesus, we're stewards, we, we are entrusted to dispense and proclaim the gospel. When we keep that in mind, we will be on guard against trying to become little mini celebrities. That's not who we are. We're servants, not celebrities. And when we keep our identity as servants and stewards, part of our service identity, that will help us. Here's the second thing. We must test our own hearts, but not fully trust our own tests. Let me say that again. We have to test our own hearts, but not fully trust our own tests. Paul says that he says, you know, I do not even judge myself. Now, it doesn't mean he's unaware, but he says this. I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. So Paul says this, I don't fully trust my own tests. Yeah, I'm not aware of anything in my heart that's off base. I'm not aware of selfish ambition. I'm not aware of being unfaithful. But he says this, I'm not aware of it, but that in itself does not acquit me. I'm not by that acquitted, he says. In other words, it's possible that like Salmon Chase I'm not aware of having selfish ambition. So we test my own heart, but I don't trust my own tests. By the way, that's why it's so important to have other people around us who love us enough to speak the truth to us. If you're married, your spouse can do that. You should have other friends who you've given permission to say, you say to them, listen, if you ever sense my motives, my, my actions, my, my attitudes are getting off base. Would you please come and talk to me? I don't want to do things for the wrong reasons. Tell me how I'm coming across. Here's a third thing that comes out of this passage. We will all be evaluated by Christ for our motives, not just our actions. Paul says there in verse 5, Christ on the day of judgment. He says, don't judge before the day. Christ will come and he will bring to light the things now hidden and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Some translations say the motives of the heart. In other words, there's going to come a day, the judgment seat of Christ, when he will assess not just my actions, but my ambitions, the motives, the purposes. And, and can I tell you that just knowing that makes me sit up straight and it helps me pray the prayer that David said in Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and see if there's any way, wicked way in me. Cleanse me. Lead me in the everlasting way. 
when you know there's judgment day coming and Jesus will look at my motives, it helps me keep bringing my ambition to him. Here's the last thing I'll bring. It's out of verse five and it's encouraging. The last thing is this. One day at the judgment seat, we will be commended by God for faithful ministry. We will be commended by God. That's what Paul says. At the judgment day, he writes, each one will receive his commendation from God. He didn't say his condemnation from God, but his commendation by God. At the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus will be looking for ways to say, hey, I saw your motives there. I saw what you did. You were faithful. You were a steward. You were a servant. So yes, live in light of the judgment day. Know that Jesus will evaluate, but know this. He's looking for ways to be able to say to you, good and faithful servant. And when you and I keep that in mind, it will help us stay faithful in bringing our ambitions before him. Whenever the ambitions go south, we say, Lord, bring them back to true north. I want to live my life for you. I want to be godly ambitious for Christ and his gospel. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like information about Heritage College and Seminary, visit the school's website at discoverheritage.ca. To receive a free ebook on how you can get free from your sermon notes, or for information on my noticeably better preaching course, visit our website at rickandlindareed.com.